My name is Rusty. I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I'm not an outside controversial issue. You know, <laughs> I'm a real one. And, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have to convince you of that, you know. I just have to not forget myself. So I spent a lot of years trying to convince you that I wasn't. <laughs> and now uh, uh, I figure it's a waste of time trying to convince you that I am. So uh, my sobriety date is, uh, is March the 12th of 1992. And uh, uh, I'm totally grateful for that date. Uh, that particular date uh, is the day after I, I drank, of course. I was drunk. I had a moment of clarity in the middle of a drunk, which I shouldn't have had, uh, but I did. And uh, that moment of clarity, I, I uh, came to accept the fact that I was an alcoholic and realized at that point that uh, I was going to uh, chase this illusion to the gates. I was already to the gates of insanity. I didn't have to go any further, walk through those, you know. But I knew that persistence would take me to death. Uh, and so I accepted that fact that day. But i got to tell you, you know, at that moment of clarity uh, wasn't one of those boomers where I just changed all of a sudden. It was uh, one of those where I had to think for a minute to see if I couldn't come up with another good idea <laughs> or another plan that would work. Uh, and uh, I had already had several DUIs, been to jail several times. Uh, the divorce was pending. The job had gone south. The two businesses had gone down the road. Uh, Several cars died from alcoholism along the way. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was incredible. The evidence was piling up, and uh, and yet in my mind, this was my opinion, and I'd had it for a long time. How could a redheaded, skinny redheaded, <laughs> that's changed. Uh, <laughs> Swedish, Mormon, farm kid from northern Utah, be an alcoholic. There's no way. There's no way that can happen. And that was the opinion that I had formed way, way back. And I kept that opinion going, you know, that there's no way I could be. Uh, you know, it's said in this program that we... Uh, we identify alcoholics by the ones we know, you know, and and I, I knew one alcoholic when I was growing up, and I didn't know he was an alcoholic. I knew he was a town drunk or the town clown, <laughs> both, and guess what? He was related to me, you know, he was, a, he was like a third cousin, but uh, he was, uh, he was a drunk, and uh he was laughed at a lot, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people shook their heads at him. And uh, that was back. That was way back in the days when you know uh, you couldn't uh, identify alcoholics by saying, "Oh, he's an alcoholic," you know. Uh, oh, he's real nervous. That's why. That's why they. 
That's the way they identify it, you know. He has a bad case of the nerves, you know. And so that was alcoholic when I was, uh, when I was growing up. You know, so my, uh, uh, my uh, identification uh, of alcoholics wasn't too, uh, wasn't too clear. But uh, grew up in a, in a really good family, a real good family. Uh, hardworking, honest people. Uh, my dad was probably the most honest person I've ever known. And that's, that holds to, to today. You know, he gambled quite a bit, but we knew exactly where he was and exactly what it was he was doing. He didn't hide it. He was honest. And uh, uh, my mother was a person that was very concerned about what people said and what people thought. <laughs> because she had grown up in a home that I found out later, after I'd gotten sober and had an honest conversation with my mother, first about the one of the first ones in 50 years <laughs> but I found out that she had grown up in a, in a home that had a lot of physical abuse uh, in it and uh, and it was uh, the uh, the head of the household my grandfather uh, and the abuse was directed at the women of the of the house and uh, she had grown up in that it was physical abuse um, and uh, it wasn't talked about uh, it, was done, it was behind closed doors, and nobody said anything about it. I, I had no idea myself until I was sober and was talking to my mother. And, uh, and she explained some of that to me. Uh, also, at that point, uh, when I was having uh, one of those honest conversations with my mother, this was after March the 12th of 1992, uh, I told her that I heard that alcoholism was probably genetic and it was passed down through generations and she was doing some genealogy work, which is any of you that know about that in the, in the LDS church, it's, uh, it's ancestry, it's the family tree and it's uh, going back and finding out, you know. Uh, and she had been doing quite a bit of that for a while and, and so I got interested because I had heard it was uh, genetic, and I, I wanted to pin my alcoholism on somebody. <laughs> so I asked her, I said, well, you're doing all this genealogy work. You must have found an alcoholic back in the family somewhere, you know, please. <laughs> and she thought for a minute and looked at me and said, no, as far as I know, you're the only one. <laughs> and so mom blew my cover, you know. Again, and took away uh, the one excuse that I thought that I could use, uh, even after I'd been sober a while. But uh, you know, in growing up, I uh, I had that uh, typical kind of alcoholic uh, opinion uh, of ourself, uh, of myself, and uh, that uh, I was somehow different. And in fact, I had an illness that kind of separated me from the rest of the kids. It was uh, it was fairly serious and it it, uh, it, uh, it stopped me from doing some things uh, I wasn't allowed to do much physical activity and and uh, and all of that it left me with a heart murmur and uh, and so uh, a lot of sports and that were out and, uh, and a lot of work on the farm was out uh, and that 
that, that caused me some problems because I, I wanted to, you know. I wanted to play sports. I wanted to work alongside my dad. Uh, I wanted to do the things that boys are supposed to do on a farm, I, you know, because I was surrounded by hardworking farmers. And so uh, that, you know, I had that kind of opinion that uh, I wasn't, you know, too worthy. But uh, what happened is, is I, uh, I started to pretend a lot. <laughs> I don't know, uh, when we get in this program, we call it lying. <laughs> but <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was pretending a lot, you know, and, uh, and I, I started to live uh, that double life that we talk about, and it carried on into, uh, into high school. And, and uh, the one thing that I, uh, I, one of the blessings that I had in growing up, I was, I was given a, uh, uh, a, uh, a pretty good singing voice, and I sang a lot of solo, uh, did a lot of solo work uh, in in churches and weddings and funerals and parties and and you know and all of that stuff. And growing up, and that was uh, that was the one the one place where I was a little special, you know. And and that that helped uh, help me kind of go on. And so I uh, I got interested in that. I, lo- I love to do it. I like to do it, you know. So, uh, you know, being up here on a stage, other than that big high step you have to step up, up to get up here, I, I told John they need to fix that for older guys. But anyway, I guess there's steps over there somewhere. Yeah, that's tip- you know, that's typical the way we handle the steps. They're over there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of these we bought, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, anyway, I uh, I sang a lot of places and 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 I and I liked it. It was it was fun. It was uh, uh, plus I was in the spotlight. You know, hell, what's what's not fun about that? Uh, you know, but uh, so I was doing a lot of that, but secretly I didn't want to do a lot of that. I wanted to be back in the dark. <laughs> Hallies, you know, and uh, and with the uh, with those. So when I got in high school, I did both, you know. Uh, at in the daytime, I was a good kid, and at night, I yeah, <laughs> I hung out with the owls, <laughs> you know, uh, at night. And so I lived that double kind of life for a long time. And and uh, the first time I got drunk, I was 14 years old, and I was on a on a on a, uh, a train going to Kansas City. Uh, and they opened a club car on the train for a bunch of 14-year-olds. How convenient. <laughs> and uh, uh, and we got drunk all the way to Kansas City. That's what we did, you know, and 14 years old. And, and not much of Most of us hadn't had much exposure to alcohol because we were all a bunch of farm kids because we were going to a convention of future farmers of America. So that was it, you know. And... Uh, you know, I did something on that trip that uh, was to kind of set the stage for a lot of uh, the same kind of behavior for a lot of years after. I was supposed to audition to sing a solo there at that national convention, and I'd been practicing it for three months solid, you know, real hard, so that I could audition for that. And uh, I got back in Kansas City, and uh, and I got drunk and, and didn't go to the audition. And that's after three months of working really hard and wanting to do it. I wanted to do it. 
But, uh, you know, when there's drinking to be done, you know what takes the, the precedent for an alcoholic, even at that young age? And I didn't know that that's what would happen. Uh, that happened over and over and over again throughout my, throughout the, my life, you know, uh, my, especially my drinking life. You know, I would get drunk and not show up. Uh, I would not show up and get drunk. <laughs> You know, it was just, it was just, you know, chaos. And and uh, I learned uh, after I'd gotten sober a while and started to look back at it, I learned that I'd been under the influence of alcoholism all the time, all the time, uh, drinking or not, it didn't matter. Uh, sober in between drunks, I was under the influence of alcoholism. Uh, I, I would make bad choices and bad decisions and wrong moves and and form opinions and and you know uh, no wonder they say let go of old ideas when we come in here <laughs> you know <laughs> you know we got some old all my ideas are old now but but uh, you know you uh, uh, yeah we have to we have to change that uh, uh, some way and thank God we've got. To, a program that will uh, will do that for us, but uh, so that I don't spend a whole uh, a whole lot of the uh, of the time uh, talking about my drunk log, I I uh, I don't have to convince you that that I am. You know, I've already said that. Uh, I just have to uh, do the things that uh, have to be done so that I don't forget. Uh, because I did that once. I got sober in 1987 uh, at the suggestion of a judge and uh, uh, and a mental health counselor who took me to my first AA meeting. And uh, it was I heard uh, I heard a couple of guys talk about Bountiful and uh, and it was in Bountiful. They took me to a, a an AA meeting in Bountiful. And uh, it was a small little meeting and a bunch of uh, older people there. Uh, and uh, they failed. They, they didn't keep me sober for more than a year and a half. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I actually went to six meetings and got cured. Uh, about killed me. <laughs> Getting cured. I, I don't recommend getting cured, by the way. You know, not a good idea for, for us. If you're a real alcoholic, getting cured is not, <laughs> that's not a good idea at all. Uh, that's painful. Uh, so I, uh, due to circumstances and so forth, uh, I, uh, I stayed sober for a year and a half, you know, uh, because of the threat, you know, well, the threats, <laughs> you know, you, you know how we get all those threats uh, from the wives, the husbands, the friends, the family, the judges, the lawyers, the, you know, <laughs> oh, all of them, you know, they're, they've all got opinions for us. <laughs> and uh, the, the biggest problem is, is that after a while, we realize they're, they're right, <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, the jig is up, you know, we just can't do it anymore. And uh, I, uh, the one thing that happened for me in that year, in that year and a half, I, I worked on a, a project out on the desert. Uh, that's pretty, 
pretty good. <laughs> you know, if you want to stay sober, go work out on the desert. Um, and I worked a construction job out there, and I got healthy, you know, and, and uh, I was working hard. I was up early and driving out, out uh, 80 miles one way and, and uh, spent all day long out on an ATV uh, out running around on the desert. You know, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun for one thing, you know, and especially if you're crazy alcoholic, uh, you can really have fun with that. You know, I was chasing coyotes all over the place and, and uh, you know, having a lunch out there and, and uh uh, and, and I did that for a year on that uh, on that job, and, and uh, I got, like I said, I got healthy. Um, that job ended, and I uh, I came back to uh, started a, another uh, job, and actually got uh, within a short time was a partner in a company, uh, and uh, we uh, it started going, you know, uh, doing really well. It was one that would almost been failing, and, and uh, it was a, it was a bowling center, is what it was. And I, I went in and uh, and uh, had a partner in there, and we we took it over and and uh, started to to you know improve it and grow it, you know, and grow and and uh, it was going it was going really good. Uh, I was sober, and uh, and then it kind of leveled off, and it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't going up anymore, you know, and it kind of leveled off and got kind of stagnant a little bit, and in a short period of time, all this has happened, and uh, and then it start, we started to have some problems with it, you know. Well, I didn't have any way to deal with problems, you know. I'd been to AA, but I hadn't adopted the 12 steps, and I hadn't worked them, and I hadn't continued going. Um, and so, when the problems got more than I knew what to deal with. Uh, I uh, I had had uh, my my wife. I was still married at the time. This is uh, incredible, <laughs> incredible. So I don't know how we pick women like this or how the women pick guys. You know, that stay with us. Uh, you know, they they just they just won't leave. I don't know what. You know, <laughs> I, you know what is it? You know. Uh, they have every reason in the world uh, to to get the hell out of Dodge, you know, when <laughs> when we're causing the wreckage that we're causing, but they hang in there, you know. And uh, uh, I was still with the same woman that I'd married, uh, uh, and uh, we we when we did divorce, uh, uh, we we'd been married 31 years, you know, so. Uh, that that's a that's a long term investment, you know. Uh, three children uh, by that time, uh, and uh, I, uh, I I was sober that little year and a half. And uh, my my wife's uncle had come to visit the family from uh, from Colorado. And when they went back to Colorado, he had left a one of those cases that holds two fifths in it. One of them leather cases, a nice leather thing, you know. And, uh, is that the drug dealer calling back? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Anyway, I <laughs> hope not. <laughs> uh, but, uh, they'd left that when, uh, when they went back. And, and naturally, being really smart, I put it in my bedroom and sat it there, you know. And so for a month, 
those bottles started talking to me every morning. I'd get up, I'd, I'd wake up, I'd roll out of bed, and that's the first thing I saw. And I knew I was in that case, and a little chatter started, you know. One, you can have just one. Just one won't hurt, you know. Nobody will know. You know, you've been sober a year and a half. You know, you're all better. You're cured. And so uh, one morning I, I woke up and I was going to bowl in a, in a tournament. Uh, and I thought they, they, one of those good ideas came roaring from the, past, <laughs> from the past and said, you know, you ought to have a drink or two to relax and, and you know, just, just one or two to, to get relaxed and go bowl, you know. So I had two <laughs> and, uh, I went and bowled, you know, and it was great. You know, so again, you know, the next morning, I think maybe I'll have another another one to relax, you know, you know, well, I stayed relaxed for three years. <laughs> Long story short, you know, <laughs> within about 10 days, I was drinking more than I had when I had quit a year and a half before and I was in trouble with it then. Now I was back there doing it over again and over and over and over and uh and it got bad fast and then i started losing things faster than i could were, were gaining them you know um people started leaving you know and uh and and the the the, biz, the business started to fail and and uh, and uh I basically was barely caring, you know, at that point. Uh, in those three years were the darkest three years of my life. Uh, no question about it. I, uh, I tried to stop drinking again and couldn't. And I tried a lot of different ways. And, uh, and uh, I never tried na- just natural wines, you know. That, we read that in, in, in chapter 3, you know. I thought, damn, you know, if I'd have tried just natural wines, I'm, <laughs> you know how, you know how, that's how, you know, that's how I think. I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, unless Mad Dog 2020 is a natural wine, uh, I don't think Everclear is in that class either, <laughs> you know, but any, anyway, uh, I, uh, Ooh, I got thinking about it, but you know, I got on the wrong subject there. I, my thought is going is going there, you know. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, some of that never goes away. By the way, uh, it just doesn't come around often. We don't act on it. Hopefully, uh, at least I don't. And uh, so, uh, what happened uh, in that uh, in that three years? Uh, like I said, was the darkest days of, of, of our of my life um, i uh, i couldn't drink the sick away anymore uh, every day was the same it was just gray and it was painful and there was just nothing happening it would just go on and on and on 
And, and I could just see that that's where it was going. It was just on and on and on. And there was no end to it, you know. Uh, and uh, I was desperately trying to grab hold of something that would stop it, uh, you know. Uh, and, uh, and I couldn't. I, uh, uh, I went on, you know, you know trying, to, trying to work, trying to pretend, trying to to do whatever it was, and I was just getting more tired and more tired. Uh, and uh, the, the, final, the final drunk. Um, by this time, also, I, I wanted to mention that uh, I had given up uh, everything that I'd like to do. I, everything. Um, I didn't sing anymore. Um, I didn't play golf anymore. I pawned my golf clubs anyway. Um, I didn't hunt. I didn't fish. I didn't do any of that anymore. Uh, the only thing that I was doing as far as any activity was drinking. Uh, and that's the only thing I knew how to do. And, that's, and, and, uh, and that was it. So uh, my last one was uh, uh, right before my last one. I came up with another one of those brilliant ideas that we come up with, uh, you know, creative ideas. That uh, this time I don't know how I did it, but I passed the insurance exam, and, and uh, during this time, and I was uh, selling uh, safe drivers insurance. <laughs> what? <laughs> door to door. <laughs> And uh, uh, I made a slight error in judgment uh, during that time, and I was, uh, you know, I had—I don't know—I had a half a fifth of vodka uh, in me, uh, uh, and uh, decided to try to sell some safe driver's insurance to an off-duty deputy sheriff. <laughs> yeah. Out in uh, West Jordan, and, and uh, I became number one on his hit parade. <laughs> he was he was thrilled to see me. Uh, as soon as I left his place, I was surrounded. You know, uh, go to jail, go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, that. Uh, that one, I had a nephew that was a, an attorney, and he he got me off pretty fairly easy on on that one. It was a healthy fine, and and uh, no jail time. You know, incredible. I I don't know how that happened, but because that was my third uh, DUI, and and uh, two of them were pretty close together. Uh, and so uh, he got he got uh, some community service and a pretty healthy fine, and. And, and that was a done deal. And we went to court on a Monday uh, on that one uh, and cleared cleared that up. Uh, I mean, I didn't pay the fine, but it was, uh, uh, you know, it was all known what what needed to be done and so forth. And that was on a Monday. And uh, on Wednesday, I was drunk in Wendover. <laughs> and I was driving a car that was dying from alcoholism. Every one of my cars did. <laughs> You know, God, this one was, uh, and uh, I, uh, I I was out there at eleven o'clock in the morning, and I had forged uh, some checks, and I had uh, 
bought, you know, a liter and uh, quit, uh, got fired from my job that morning. Um, so I wasn't able to sell safe driver's insurance anymore. <laughs> and I'd driven to Wendover where I knew people understood. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... Uh, I'm sitting in a blackjack table in Wendover, and it's, uh, by this time it's about one in the afternoon. And, uh, and I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was there. I was, <laughs> I was where we go, you know. I had gotten there. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of that, is when I had that moment of clarity that I talked about. And I, I accepted the fact I was an alcoholic. I knew it was over. But I still tried to come up with another good idea or another plan. I did. And it just, it was, I was done. I was done. And uh, the important thing is, is I knew I was done. Uh, there wasn't any question marks left, you know. I, uh, uh, at, that to- at that point, I'd been to some AA meetings. I had been going to a DUI education class before I was even sentenced to go there. You know, now that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did I get that idea? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go find out how to drive drunk or something. I don't know. I don't know what that, I don't know what it was, but I, I was going to this DUI education class and, uh, and I, I got to like the guys that were running it and they kind of liked me. They didn't like me showing up drunk, but, but, you know, but, uh, we were having a good time and, and, uh, and so, uh, that I'd been, I'd been doing that. I'd been, I'd been going to one AA meeting a week, and I'd been doing that for four months, and I was drinking every day. Uh, now, if you want to have a really good time, drink every day and go to AA meetings at night. <laughs> Boy, that's, I mean, that is the height of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, this little meeting that I was going to was a great little group, and, and uh, they were just, uh, there was a bunch of people there that were sober quite a long time. It was, a, it was a, in the church downtown, and it was called the Downtown Bunch. Anyway, uh, I started going there, and I, and I was going there once a week and drinking every day. And after about a month and a half or two months of that, this one of the little ladies came up to me after that meeting, and she says, you know, uh, it might work better for you if you don't drink. <laughs> and I went, oh, how did you know? You know. <laughs> uh, the last meeting I went to that, I tried to share it. <laughs> I volunteered, you know. Volunteered, yeah, pick me. Uh, and... Uh, and you know that was a that was a kind little group. You know they <laughs> they were they were uh, good members of Alcoholics Anonymous. They allowed drinking drunks in there. Wow, you know, I've been to meetings uh, since then uh, in the past few years where somebody comes in half drunk and and somebody takes offense at that. How, we can't let we can't let a drunk in here. <laughs> Look around, <laughs> you know. Uh, but the day that we don't let a, let a drunk in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous is the day when the traditions aren't working very well, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, as long as 
we're not disruptive, you know. And uh, if we can drink and be nice, <laughs> not many of us can do that. But anyway, so anyway, uh, I'm out there and I had that moment of clarity in that, uh, uh, in that meeting. And that was two days after I'd settled the DUI. And so a moment of clarity, I, I was done, you know. Got to get to Salt Lake, get help. I knew who to call. I'd call the guys in the DUI education class when I got back to town, and, and uh, uh, they could help me. Uh, well, I got to uh, halfway. I got to Eagle Range, uh, you know, Dell. Pulled off of the freeway uh, car that was dying from alcoholism, remember. <laughs> uh, and a messenger from God pulled up behind me in a highway patrol car <laughs> and uh, came walking up to the car and I, I got out of the car, which you're not supposed to do, you know, and he, <laughs> I got out of the car and, and he, he says, uh, and I remember this, I shouldn't remember anything, but I remember this one. Uh, he said, what's the problem, sir? <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and I'm too drunk to drive, and besides, I'm on a suspended license, you know. <laughs> and uh, have you ever seen a funny look on a highway patrol's <laughs> face? Yeah, yeah, he had that look. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to jail again. <laughs> yeah, we did. And... Uh, uh, and that was the last time I went to, uh, well, it wasn't the last time I went to jail because the judge, uh, decided I need to spend a little time out there later on. He put me in for 10 days, you know, which in and of itself is another miracle. But, uh, that's, uh, that was the point, uh, right there. Uh, I called the, uh, I called the guys that had been, uh, I'd been hanging out with in this DUI education class and, and, uh, he told me to come on down. You know, he says, come on down, let's talk. And he took two days off of his work uh, and spent with me and, and 12, basically 12 stepped me. He told me his story, you know. And uh, I don't know how the hell he survived. <laughs> you know, he had a, he had a story, but, uh, but, uh, he told me one thing that uh, was the thing that uh, that changed my whole pattern after that, and uh, he told me to to turn myself into Fellowship Hall and uh, and find out how those people are staying sober. Uh, because he told me the truth. He says you don't know how. He says I've seen you now for about five months. You've been hanging around and coming to our classes. God only knows why. You're going to be sentenced to him now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> uh, but he says, you don't know how, so go find out how those people are doing it. Uh, and uh, the next day I was at Fellowship Hall. And, uh, and I spent the next three months uh, almost every day at Fellowship Hall. And in between, you know, some other places, I kept going to this little downtown bunch meeting and and I go to every meeting at Fellowship Hall, and I started to meet old timers there. And the old timers, uh, believe me, they saved my life. They saved my life. 
they were willing to take the time and sit and have coffee and smoke cigarettes and tell me the truth and, uh, uh, and ask me how they could help, you know. And uh, at that, uh, that period of time, uh, UTA was my higher power, <laughs> you know. I didn't have transportation. Oh, by the way, I left that car in impound in Tooele. That's, yeah. That damn car didn't know how to do it right, so. <laughs> I, I got even with that one. Uh, but uh, I didn't have a license to drive one anyway, so why tempt me? Because, you know, you give me a car and a non-license, it don't matter. I got the car, right? <laughs> Cars are supposed to be driven, so... Uh, that would be my thinking, um, and uh, and so uh, you know, UTA became my uh, mode of transportation, and uh, and I found out real quick that it didn't want to run on my schedule, and so I started. That. I had to start planning my time and and where I was going and and all of that stuff, you know, and it was a it was it was a blessing. It was a real blessing uh, because. Uh, I started to become aware. I started to wake up a little bit from from that um, distorted world of alcoholism. It's, it says in the book, and uh, and I started to to wake up from that, uh, and I started to see things, and those things had been around for a long, long time. But I started to see them now, uh, and. Uh, it kind of surprised me. I'd be riding the bus and I'd see something that looked interesting, you know. I'd say, oh my God, look at that. How long's that been there? And somebody'd say, oh, about 15 years. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I thought it was new. <laughs> but the awareness that comes from sobriety is, is terrific. It's just something that uh, that is not to be missed, you know, for, for anybody that's... Uh, Wondering what what benefits you can get from being sober. Awareness is a big one. Uh, freedom is probably uh, at least as big, if not bigger. Uh, you know, uh, the promises, the nine step promises, say we will we will know a new freedom and a new happiness. You know, and they came pretty quickly for me. They really did. I didn't have to I didn't have to work all the way into the ninth step. In order for those to start happening, you know, and that those they did that freedom and happiness, new, newfound freedom and happiness, um, started to to uh, uh, to show up in my life. Uh, at uh, I hooked back up with uh, with that mental health counselor that had helped me the first time uh, when I was sober in '87, and this is in '92, uh, remember and. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a little cold. I'm trying to catch, <clears throat> but uh, I called her again, and and uh, and she said, "Let come on out. Let's have a visit." Uh, and uh, this was right before I was go- to go in front of the judge, and I. I, uh, I went out to, to see her, and they, the divorce was pending. Uh, I was going to see the judge, and, and uh, I was—I fa- I could have been going to for a year. Uh, that was very likely at that point. Um, 
I'd lost the business, didn't have a job, no drivers, all of that, all of that stuff, you know, broke, you know, uh, disgusted and couldn't be trusted. <laughs> um, <coughs> and she said, uh, come on out and let's have a visit. And so I went out and, 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 and had visited with her. She had taken me my, to my first AA meeting, and no wonder she was 13 years sober in the program uh, and being a, a mental health counselor also. So uh, I told her my plan that uh, I was going to end up going to jail, and so uh, that'd be a great opportunity to quit smoking. <laughs> and she said, well, "Wait a minute! <laughs> wait a minute! You get all—you're not drinking. You're hating it. You're getting divorced. You're not working. You're broke. You don't have any cars." You know, everybody's leaving you and all this, and you're going to quit smoking? Yeah. Yeah, she says, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so that, uh, that that was the way I made plans, you know. I'd, uh, yeah, you know, if things are bad, I can do one more thing to make them worse. <laughs> That's the way I'd, uh, I'd always done, uh, done things. But uh, I went to jail and... and, and you know, and it was only for 10 days. And the reason I, that it was only 10 days is that judge had been approached by those people that 12-stepped me uh, earlier. Uh, and they they had a little group together, and they were talking to judges and, and uh, uh, people in the justice system trying to get uh, them to start considering treatment for alcoholics rather than jail time and fines and, and suspension of life, all of that stuff, you know. They were try, they were approaching judges in person and asking them to start considering the fact that they had an alcoholic in front of them and maybe that maybe treatment would be better. And and this was like I said, this is almost 20 years ago. Uh, and so I think the work that they did, uh, I think today is showing some fruits of their labor because we have drug courts and we have. Uh, judges are sentencing people to treat to treatment and and to Alcoholics Anonymous and to you know we're still getting those healthy fines and all that no you know that didn't all go away but uh, you know but still uh, at least they're not trying to throw us away and bury us uh, forever um, so uh, I started to hang out at Fellowship Hall and and. Uh, uh, I'll never forget one of the old timers. I wish I could remember who it was. I, I met so many of them. And, and you know, and this program has just got a whole bunch of unforgettable characters running around. Uh, we're starting to, we've lost a lot of them, uh, over the years. Uh, you know, they've, they've passed on and, but boy, there were some great ones that, you know, and, and, uh, they all had nicknames and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Double Down just recently and, and, Honest John and Hippie John and Railroad Bill and, you know, all that. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, but one of those old timers, uh, I was sitting at Fellowship Hall and I was drinking, sitting there drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes with him. And, 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 uh, and I was telling him my sad story about how bad everything was, you know. And he just looked at me and he says, you think you've hit bottom? And I said, oh, yeah, man, I've hit bottom. You know, I've hit the bottom of all bottoms, you know. It's hard for me. Uh, you know, and he says, well, wait till you drink again. 
And it, and at the moment I didn't catch it, you know. But a little later on I did. I thought what he was trying to tell me is, you know what? It can be worse if you drink, you know. And it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, and but that got my attention. Uh, and so uh, I'm about out of time here, and and uh, that's that's good <laughs> for you guys, <laughs> you know. Uh, I got involved and I got active in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and in the fellowship, and I've stayed involved and active in the program. Uh, I got a sponsor, was assigned to me. Uh, I was too arrogant and proud to pick a sponsor, and so that dragon lady who was my (laughs) mental health counselor (laughs) assigned me a sponsor, you know, and uh, and he uh, he started working with me and, and and took me through the steps, you know. And uh, uh, he he did things for me that uh, uh, you know I just didn't think that I, I could uh, that, that I would do, uh, you know. And he uh, uh, he never uh, really ordered me to do anything. Uh, he always said, "Here's what I did, and it worked for me." Uh, why don't you try this uh, and see if it'll work for you? You know, and that was the approach uh, that that he took, and, and I needed that, and and uh, and we uh, uh, we worked uh, we worked together uh, on that. And uh, the one thing that he uh, he did have me do is, is for the first while, is call him every day, every morning, and uh, he would tell me to read uh, read page three eleven, three twelve in the big book, and that's the old third edition. You know, that's the one I grew up with, <laughs> the third edition. And now the fourth edition, page numbers kind of throw me, but it's 275 now. Uh, and that's in the Keys of the Kingdom, and it says that this is a plan of recovery that's not over and done with. You know, he recognized that he had a hit-and-run artist here, <laughs> and I would be looking for a drive-in window, and, and I would get in and get out real quick, you know. I'd grab a little sobriety and be gone. And... And so he, he did the things that kept me around uh, and interested and got me active and involved uh, in the program. And uh, I'll, I'll end with, uh, uh, it's, it's almost 9 o'clock, so I'm going to end with, uh, with, with the, one, the one thing that I try to practice uh, in, uh, uh, on a daily basis uh, now, uh, and I have for a long time because I heard it. When it was uh, when I was reading it in a big book study, and I've tried to adopt it as is my practice now. And on page 14 in Bill's story, it says, "If an alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge their spiritual life through self-sacrifice and work with others, he will not be able to meet those those spots that are sure to come. And if he's unable to meet those," He will surely drink again. You know. So to me, the key of of this thing is, and it's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, the key is self-sacrifice and work with others. You know. And, uh, you know, God bless you all. Uh, Thank you for bringing your sobriety here tonight. Without your sobriety, I wouldn't have mine. Thank you. Thank you.